You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Now, a little bit of background on what we just read um, there uh, in uh, Luke uh, chapter 1. And it's kind of following Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel. And it's there that Gabriel kind of announces to Mary God's plan to bring forth the Savior, the Messiah, uh, to the world through Mary. And once the angel gives that news and then departs, it says Mary goes immediately to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who the scripture says is in her sixth month of pregnancy. And Mary learns of Elizabeth's pregnancy through her encounter there with Gabriel. And the angel uses Elizabeth's pregnancy as an example that all things are possible with God. Since prior to her pregnancy, Elizabeth had been barren. She's uh, well advanced in age now as her husband, Zachariah, uh, was and unable to have children. And Gabriel kind of basically says to Mary, if God can do that for Elizabeth, who is barren, is it really too hard for God to cause a virgin to to?" become uh, uh, conceived with a child. And Mary knows if anyone would understand uh, what God was doing, it would be Elizabeth. And I believe that's why she immediately departs and goes there uh, to see her. And it's interesting because upon Mary's arrival, and it just says at the sound of Mary's greeting, the Bible says the child within Elizabeth leapt for joy. Now, if, if you think back to Zachariah's encounter with the uh, angel uh, there inside the, the temple, you'll remember that the angel tells Zechariah that John will be filled with the Holy Spirit while in Elizabeth's womb. And I believe that, that what she felt there as that baby leapt for joy is, is John, I believe, there is filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth makes this statement to Mary in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 42. She says, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. And then she says, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord? Man, that, that is an astonishing declaration. How did Elizabeth know? I mean, she's not just saying a baby. She's saying, my Lord. I mean, she's making a very strong declaration. The child you are carrying is gonna be God in human flesh. And again, she had to have some kind of a revelation of what God was doing there uh, in Mary. And I, I, I just find that fascinating that she makes that declaration uh, shortly after uh, Mary conceives uh, Jesus in her womb. And she said, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now that last sentence, 
sentence there applies to every believer, everyone who follows Jesus Christ. We will be blessed whenever we believe that the Lord will do what he says he will do. We just read together what we read there uh, in Luke 1, that, that again, that's Mary's anointed response to Elizabeth's statement there. And theologians call that the magnificent, and that is Latin for my soul magnifies or my soul exalts. And in this regard, uh, in in this case, uh, she's referring to the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul exalts itself in the Lord. These last few weeks, we've been really looking at the firsthand eyewitness account of those who were there that first Christmas night when Jesus Christ was born. And we've looked at the eyewitness account, firsthand eyewitness accounts of those of the uh, shepherds. Last week we looked at the angels uh, who were watching uh, their sheep that night in a field outside of Bethlehem. And this morning we're going to look at this through the eyes of Mary, the mother of of Jesus. Now here's Mary's story from uh, Luke's gospel chapter one. You kind of saw this portrayed there in the video. And it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now I just want to stop there because there's just a lot of teaching out there that kind of states Mary was not a virgin. There's a lot of teaching out there that, you know, this was conceived by Joseph or, you know, that this, this came through. I don't believe that. I believe what the Bible says. She was a virgin. Now, I don't understand the, the wherefores in all of that. I just know that God is big enough and, and able enough to do whatever God wants to do. And, and so when the scripture says she was a virgin, that is exactly, literally uh, what I believe. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, highly favored one. If God were to appear to you, and again, this is where oftentimes I want to talk a little bit about this, is is the fear of the supernatural. We all have a fear of the supernatural. And part of the fear of the supernatural that we have is we have a fear of God. We fear that if God were to appear before us, if God were to speak to us, if God were to give us a message, we automatically just assume it's gonna be negative. It's gonna be bad news. God is gonna be on my case about something. There's something I've done, there's something I've said, there's something I haven't done, there's something I haven't said, and God is gonna take issue with me. I don't believe that. The Bible says that God is a good God. He is kind. He is merciful. He is loving. He is gracious. And, and, and this is why this angel appeared there and said, greetings, highly favored one. If God were to appear before you, it, it would be a similar greeting. He would say, 
my beautiful daughter, my, my beautiful son, oh, you highly favored one. God would be encouraging. God, God moves in the prophetic. God, God doesn't call us to move in the prophetic and then he moves in something entirely different. No, no, if God's calling us to comfort, to encourage, to exhort one another, it's because that is what he does. And he's calling us to be like him because we are made in his image and in his likeness. So if he's calling us to be encouraging, comforting, and exhorting, it's because that is what he is, who he is. It's how he functions. It's how he deals with us. And so you see this in Gabriel's approach to Mary. Highly favored one. Greeting. Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. He's for you. Confused and disturbed. That's what the supernatural does to us. That's a lot of times that's why we fear it. It's because it, it confuses us. It can it can be disturbing. It can be unusual. It's something we're not accustomed to. And oftentimes when something is unusual or we're not accustomed to it, we're afraid of it. And we see this with Mary. I mean, you've got to understand, this is like after 400 years of silence. The prophets have not spoken. God seems very, very distant. Nothing is really happening in the supernatural realm. And, you know, and so the first indicators you have of that is when that angel appeal appears to Gabriel. And, and, and what was Gabriel's reaction? Terrified. I mean, he's just in there to light the candles to kind of do uh, the thing that he was selected uh, to do that day. And so he's kind of going in there, uh, and he's kind of, you know, got his plans. He's got his agenda kind of laid out, and all of a sudden, God has a different plan in that an angel, Gabriel, shows up and kind of says to, to Zechariah, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him John. And he begins to kind of download all this information, and it just says that Gabriel was just terrified. He was confused. He said, how can this be? I'm old. My wife's old. And so oftentimes, that's why we fear the supernatural. And Mary tried to think, what, what could the angel mean? He said, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Favor. Again, if you were to encounter God, you would find favor favor with him. And he says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Again, imagine hearing this and, and trying to take all of that in. And Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Psalm 91. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, and this is where again he gives her this information that she did not have. Your cousin Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing 
is impossible for God. And, and he just says, case in point, Elizabeth, your cousin. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. How many of you can kind of relate to the following statement? Your company downsizes, releases you, they kind of let you go, and you ask the question, why me? You've been a very loyal employee. You've worked hard for the company uh, to make the company a success. The company goes bankrupt through no fault of your own, leaving you without a job, and, and you ask, why me? Or maybe you're one of those people, you exercise. I mean, you, you uh, watch what you eat. You, you've never smoked. You, you've never uh, abused drugs and alcohol. And you have lived as clean and healthy of a life as you know how. And one day, a doctor says to you that you have cancer. And you're kind of left asking that question, why me? I've known couples who have wanted to have children, have gone great to great lengths uh, financially, physically, and to no avail, and they're kind of like Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, no children. And oftentimes, they're left asking that question, why me? On the other hand, people who have no interest um, in having children get pregnant without intending to and then just turn around and terminate the pregnancy. And we ask, why them and not me? When good things happen to others, especially if we think they don't deserve it, we'll often ask the question in reverse, why them? Guys, you see a total geek you know, dating a gorgeous woman, and you ask the question, why him? I mean, what has he got that I don't have? <laughs> Ladies, you see a gorgeous five foot eight lady, size six, you get to know her, and you find out that her favorite foods happen to be chicken fried steak and cheesecake. She goes on to tell you that she can eat as much as she wants whenever she wants, and you say in disgust, why her? You watch the news one night. You see a guy who has never held a job in his life for more than three months and wins millions in the Powerball, and we all say, why him? <laughs> yeah. Try this one. The God of the entire universe descends and is born as a baby to live among people he created. And when you contemplate the fact that God had really a whole world of women to choose from, you often kind of scratch your head and wonder why would God choose a poor, uneducated, unsophisticated, unknown peasant teenage girl named Mary I mean, God could have chosen from so many other women. Why Mary? Was God arbitrary on who he chooses? The Bible makes clear that God is looking for people to use. And I'll tell you what, if you'll just get usable, God will wear you out. 
And you have not really lived until you experience being used by God to really be a blessing to other people. Now, some of you may be sitting there and saying, oh, God could never use me. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too uneducated. I don't know enough about the Bible. I haven't been a Christian long enough. We all kind of come up with our own set of excuses as to why God could never use me. I'm not an eloquent speaker. And my message to you this morning in a couple of words is you're, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. That's not true. Not only can God use you, but God wants to use you. He's waiting. He's eager to use you in ways you have never thought or imagined. And this morning, I want us to look at Mary and why God chose Mary among all of the women to be used of God. First of all, I just want to say there's a lot of very unbiblical beliefs about Mary. Not once. Nowhere in all of Scripture Does the Bible say we're to worship her or to pray to her? She does not have any power or authority to answer your prayers. Not once does it say she was perfect or sinless. This also applies to the Pope. I know I'm gonna step on a few toes here. With all due respect, the Pope is the same as all of mankind, a sinner in need of a savior. In fact, what is so appealing and I believe refreshing about Mary was her plain ordinariness. God took a simple, ordinary, available person who was willing to be used by God and used her in simply extraordinary ways. And God will do the same with you and I. And that's what makes her stand out. It was her willingness To be used of God despite any of her preconceived weaknesses or obstacles or any limitations she felt she might have had. Now what's interesting about Mary is she's the only person present at the birth of Christ who was also present at his crucifixion. Isn't that interesting? Mary was the only woman who saw Jesus come into the world as her son and leave the world as her savior. Mary is definitely unique in her perspective regarding Jesus. And there is a complexity in her relationship with Jesus that I'm I'm sure she never fully understood. How could she? I'm sure Mary had all kinds of fears Worries, concerns, doubts. But you kind of get this sense as you uh, see Mary's responses that she never let any of that control her. She never let any of that drive her decisions. Instead, she seems to kind of rise above it all. And she models some things that I think we have to have in our lives as well if God is ever gonna be able to use us. And again, if we'll just begin to build these things into our life, if we'll increase these things in our lives, I believe God will begin to use us uh, like Mary in ways we could have never imagined. First, God uses people who are humble. 
There's a pretty straightforward prescription of how God works and the people he chooses to work through. And it's found there in James chapter six, 4, verse 6. And it says, and he gives grace, what? Generously. God's generous. He is a good God. He is a generous God. And he doesn't just give grace. He gives it generously all the time. As the scriptures say, and then they're quoting Proverbs 3.34, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So this is both an Old Testament and a New Testament truth. God always opposes the proud, the haughty, and God chooses to bestow his grace, his power upon those who are humble. If you look at Mary, you will find, you will discover that Mary reflected humility when it came to her walk and her relationship with God. Now again, why did God choose Mary? It wasn't because of her education, because she didn't have any. It wasn't because of her wealth, because she was poor. And it wasn't because she was mature, but it was because she was a teenager. Most biblical scholars estimate Mary to be about 14 or 15 years old when she had Jesus. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary, her response shows she was humbled before God. Verse 38, she says, let it be to me according to your word. That is a humble response. That is a response, it is an attitude, it is a posture that God can do great things through. Mary was humble before God and to his invitation. Humility is demonstrated when you simply recognize who you are before God, when you recognize what you have and where you would be without God, that is humility. Now just stop for a moment. I want you to think about the fears that Mary must have had to face and overcome. If you're gonna be used of God, you, you will have to face and you will face some of these same fears that Mary faced in God using her. And the word says that Mary was confused and troubled by what the angel shared with her. Now that word in the Greek there, it's the word petrified. Mary was freaking out. And the angel of the Lord basically has to tell her, do not be afraid. There's nothing to fear here. So Mary had to face and she had to overcome her fears if she was gonna be used by God. First thing she had to face was that fear of change. This had to have caught Mary completely off guard. This is probably not how she saw her life playing out. She's a young girl. She's engaged to be married to a man. I'm sure she's kind of thinking about her wedding. Maybe she's kind of thinking about their life together, where they would live. I'm, I'm sure her mind is just kind of filled with all the other things that those of us uh, who are married, you think about those things as you're preparing to enter into ma marriage. And Mary's kind of thinking about all of these other plans that are, that are beginning to unfold in her life. And this angelic announcement would involve lots of changes to her current life plans. 
And we know right after this encounter with the angel, she leaves to see her cousin, Elizabeth. Was this already planned? Or was this trip the first of many changes? Second, there's the fear of criticism. I'm sure Mary's thinking at some point, what are my friends gonna say? How will my parents respond? What is Joseph gonna think of this? Will any of them believe me? And she's right to be concerned about how people are gonna take this news. Since she would be the first and only person in all of human history to conceive a child while being a virgin. But as Mary would discover, and we would be wise to recognize, God had a plan in place to convince those who would otherwise question her story and criticize her. In Joseph's case, he did not believe Mary at first. The scripture says that being a righteous man, he did not want to disgrace her publicly. He, in other words, he didn't want to drag her through the mud publicly. And so he decided he was just going to end their engagement quietly, discreetly. That is until Joseph encountered an angel one night in a dream, and the angel confirmed the story Mary was telling him was true. And so Mary left defending herself against criticism to God. And God was faithful, especially in those places that really mattered. And we need to be able to do that as well when we face criticism. Let God be our defender. Let God be the one who comes to our defense. And we need to trust God like Mary did when people criticize us for our obedience to the Lord. Because it's gonna come. If you're obedient and you're serving the Lord, criticism is gonna come. The third fear Mary had to face and overcome was the fear of the supernatural. We've talked about that. Many churches fear the supernatural. And oftentimes we fear it because we don't have a lot of experience with it. Some of us don't have any experience at all with the supernatural. And so when it comes, we're fearful. We're also because we don't control it. I mean, all these people in the story, I mean, I mean, you go back, Zechariah, Mary, Joseph, none of them were in any control of what God was doing supernaturally in this story. And you get into uh, all of these different stories, it, it, supernatural, what Jim shared, you know, in, in the book of Acts, supernatural. They didn't have any control of that. God simply came and began to do what God was going to do. I don't find many places where the supernatural occurs that, that there oftentimes isn't a, a, a certain amount of fear or confusion. Kind of a sense of maybe being out of control. And again, oftentimes that's why we struggle with the supernatural. Because it scares us. It's, it's unknown. We don't control it. And therefore, we, we, we kind of put up defenses because we, we like to be in control. I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know what God's going to do. No surprises. So Mary had to kind of overcome that supernatural. Final fear Mary would have had to face and overcome would be the fear of inadequacy. That fear of I'm too young or I'm too old, I'm not smart enough, I don't know the Bible well enough, I don't pray as often as I should. 
and we talk ourselves out of being good enough for God to use, and we just sideline ourselves and become useless. Mary is a living testimony of how God can take the simplest, most ordinary person, the weakest vessel, and do great and mighty things through her. But again, it all starts with humility, and God uses people who are humble. Second, and I'll make this kind of my, my second and final point, is God uses people who are willing to pay the cost. There is always, 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 always a cost in following God's plan for your life. And the greater the plan, the greater the cost. If you were to say to God, in 2021, God, I just want to give more of myself to you. This year, I want to be closer to you than I've ever been before. I want to be in your will. I want to be doing your plans and your purposes for my life. It's going to cost you something. You're going to have to give up some stuff. There will always be a cost involved. There will always be risk, and it will always require faith, and you're going to have to step out, and you're just going to have to do some things in the unknown that you're scared to do. But just remember that you're highly favored, that God is with you. It's going to require you to take steps of faith that maybe you've never taken before. It may call you into new areas and arenas you've never been in before. Mary decided that she desired God's will above anything else in her life. And she decided to take the chance, to take the risk, to pay the cost. Luke 1.38, she said, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to do whatever he wants. Circle that word, whatever. We, we use that word, right? Whatever. <laughs> Say to God, whatever. I am willing to do, I am willing to be used in whatever way you want. She said, may everything you said come true. Can you imagine what it cost Mary to say yes? I mean, she could have said no. She had a choice. But stop and think of the cost that she had to pay to be the mother of the Messiah. The first thing it cost her was her reputation. Again, I kind of alluded to this earlier. She's a virgin. She's pregnant. She's engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. How are you going to explain that to everybody in the community? But she was willing to sacrifice her reputation in order to follow the Lord. Some of us, we're going to have to sacrifice our reputations in order to do what God is calling us to do.
The second thing it cost her was her comfort. The prophets foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Mary's living in Nazareth. She's about ready to give birth. And the governor calls for a census and everybody has to return to their hometown. And so Mary and Joseph load up the donkey and they take a long journey back to Bethlehem. Do you think that was comfortable? No, probably not. How would you like to be a young teenage peasant girl having your first child in a foreign city, in a stable, surrounded by animals and the things that animals do? No family around but Joseph. Do you think that was easy? No. And then the baby's born and you hear that the king wants to kill him. So you have to flee with your husband to Egypt. Do you think that was easy? No. God's purposes, plans for our lives will include some problems, some setbacks, and some discomfort. They're not accidental. They're part of the plan. They're part of the maturing process. What God is using to bring you into greater degrees of perfection. We don't like that, but it is how God works. Listen to Hebrews 5.8. Although he was a son, Jesus learned obedience from the things which he what? Suffered. One of the ways that God can teach us obedience is through the things we suffer, through the difficulties we go through, through the challenges we encounter, the setbacks. That didn't go the way I planned it. God's using that. And it says that that he's trying to teach you some things, obedience being one of those things. Maybe God's using that to teach you patience, perseverance. That's part of the cost. That's why I said there's always, always, always a cost. And Jesus was very upfront about that. In Mark 8, 34, he said, no one can be my disciple who doesn't carry his own cross. That's the cost. But don't begin until you count those costs. Jesus said, don't commit your life. Don't pick up your cross. Don't don't start being my disciple. Don't start following me. Don't start calling me your Lord and Savior until you really have considered it, until you really have counted the cost because there will be a cost. Paul says in Philippians 3.7, he says, all these things that I once thought very worthwhile, he says, I have now thrown them all away so that I can put my hope and trust in Christ alone. Paul understood and he acknowledges there are costs when it comes to following Jesus. He also understood the benefits far outweigh any of the costs. 
said, there are things I used to think were so cool, so important, so valuable to my life. He says, they're basically cheap plastic thrills in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, they don't matter anymore. I've dumped it all, he says, just so that I can know and be in the center of God's will and plans for my life and to be what he has created me to be, to who he's created me to be. So again, what am I willing? What are you willing to give up to be used by God? And again, you'll have to give up some stuff. I think and I believe there are going to be substantial cost to following God in 2021. I do. I don't, I don't know what they all are, but I believe there are going to be significant cost to following God in 2021. And I believe 2020 set the stage for that. And followers of Christ are going to have to make a decision whether we are willing to pay those costs in order to follow Jesus. God may ask you to give up some habits. He may ask you to give up some relationships. Some of you maybe have relationships that are, that are dragging you down, that are, that are pulling you back, that are keeping you from, from following God. And he may just simply say, you need to let go of that relationship. He may ask you to set aside your dreams, your ambitions, your goals, your plans, your finances for what he made you to do. And again, the question is, are you willing to do that? Now, and it's easy to sit in here this morning and nod our heads yes, you know, because it's kind of more philosophical. But when reality comes, when God begins to ask you to set aside those things that he's asking you to set aside in order to have the greater things that God has for you. Are you willing to pay those costs? So God uses people who are humble. God uses people who are willing to pay the, cro- co- the cost. The third one is, I'm not going to go into this um, this morning, is God uses people who dare to trust his promises. The word is filled with promises, and God is faithful to those promises. The question is, will will we dare to trust? Will we dare to believe that what he promises us, he is able to do? And I assure you, he is. And if you doubt that, you go back and you look at the story of Elizabeth, and then then God does one better in Mary. Mary. Yeah, yeah, this was, this was, you think this was difficult? You think this was challenging? Uh, what I did with Elizabeth? Look at this. And, and again, she was willing to dare to trust his promises. And again, are you and I, are we willing uh, uh, to trust that God is able to do what he says he will? Amen? Amen? Let's stand together. Father, we just thank you so much. For the life, the testimony, the witness of Mary, what she saw, what she encountered, what she gave up to just follow after you. And God, you asked big things, difficult things of her, but God, you showed up. And God, 
You amazed her. You overwhelmed her, God, with your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your favor, your love. God, you showed up in a big way. And God, you were more than able to do what you said you would do. And God, you're the same today. Nothing changes with you, God. You're able to do big and great and mighty, spectacular, supernatural things in us, in this church, in this community. But God, are we willing to be humble? Are we willing to pay the cost? And are we willing to trust your promises? And God, we wanna go big in 2021. We wanna see bigger and greater and deeper things happening in the church and your people in the coming year. And so God, would you just begin to prepare our hearts Would you just begin to lead us, to call us in a way that we can do what needs to be done so we can say, like Mary says, may it be done according to your word in me. May what you say, God, actually come to pass and to happen in my life. That is the response, God, that you're looking for. It's the response we want to give this morning to you. That whatever you're doing, however you're wanting to use us, God, that we would simply say, here am I, use me. And again, Father, we just thank you for your power, your presence, and we thank you, Father, for servants like Mary, who again can demonstrate to us that, God, you want to use us. And the question is, are we willing? Are we available? Father, I pray that you'll move our hearts into places, Lord, of humility where we can respond to you by saying yes. Yes, yes, yes. And Father, we thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.